You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! That's right, baby. We back in the hizzy. It's the X-Man. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you for checking out the program. We were off last week. I was traveling and I had I had my stuff. I was going to do this show last week and I realized that the file for the actual interview was not with me. So I did everything except bring the show. So this... This is a week late and I apologize, but you know, you know how I do it. Sometimes I take a week off and yeah, it was a crazy trip because my lady and I went to Baltimore for a wedding. Zena Coda was my co-host on last words. An old friend from Jersey got married and then Jasmine, my, my girlfriend went, went to do a recording session, um, with Sahaj Ticketon, X-Men alumni and actual we we did a we did an episode live from Sweetwater so that's that's coming out anyway this crazy trip where I got a cold like a crazy crazy cold I thought it was like a sinus infection or something and we get ready to leave for our flight it gets delayed we miss our layover ended up having to like fly through the night miss our don't get to stay at our hotel room we're on no sleep and I'm just getting sicker and sicker end up the day of the wedding missing the wedding. Cause I go to get a COVID test just to make sure that I didn't have COVID, which I didn't think I had. And, but I didn't <laughs> thankfully. And so I just kind of went, to, we went to the reception and had, had a good time, had such a good time. We missed our flight <laughs> to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Luckily we, we sorted it all out, but it was just a, and then I got Jasmine sick and she had to record and write. And so it was a it was a fraught trip, but still had some fun in there. And anyway, I'm I'm back, back, back home, back. You know, I'm, traveling is cool, but you know, sometimes it's nice to just be home for a while. So what's going on lately? There's actually a lot of stuff going on with me, but I can't talk about all of it right now. But you know, your boy's been hitting the grindstone. I got a lot of cool things in the works, and. Anyway, so I kind of wanted to talk about Limp Bizkit was supposed to come through L.A. They're, they're on tour. They canceled their tour. Mainly, it seems like, because of the Delta variant and all the the havoc it's, it's wreaking. And there's this debate now where 
<clears throat> about the idea of vaccine requirements or test requirements. And you know, it's interesting, like Madball put out a statement basically saying they wouldn't play any shows uh, where there were vaccine requirements. Another band, I think Chelsea Grin, the singer for that band, which completely tracks. I'm like, I mean, hardcore bands, I mean, hardcore shows are literally not supposed to be safe. I mean, you go to your, you know, you might get punched in the face, dirt slammed, kicked in the nuts. You know, that's, that's, that's part of the environment. So that's not really too, too surprising. Uh, personally, I'm for the vaccine requirements. Cause I, you know, I don't really understand this argument about freedom. It's like, well, freedom over here. I'm like, yes, but going to concerts, going to restaurants, going to movie theaters, this is a privilege. But don't say in the, <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Good Lord, that cold still so rock with me. Don't say in the Bill of Rights, thou shalt be able to go to see rock concert. Uh, and people also have the right and the freedom to create a safe environment. I, I feel like that's pretty uh, just standard. I mean, I totally, I, I, I guess I can understand how people could be more upset if it was like their job or it's like, hey, if you don't, get the vaccine or you don't, you know, get tested regularly, then you're going to lose your job. And that's more like invasive because that's your job. And I could understand being more upset about that, even though I think it's perfectly fine. And that's, you know, just, just the way I feel about it. But it's like concerts, like you don't have to go, you know? So it's, it's, no one's infringing on your freedom. We're just saying, Hey, we want this environment to be safe. And I don't really see what's so controversial. I know there's downsides to it. And I would say it's a an inelegant solution. But unfortunately, with what we're dealing with, I mean, you know, the numbers in Florida are the worst of the whole pandemic, which is pretty scary. And my, my general view is, yeah, if everyone just got vaccinated or most of the people, we could reach herd immunity and we'd be like, this thing would be in the rearview mirror. But, you know, we're having... People from different bands are testing positive. They're dropping off tours. They're canceling shows. And that's probably going to keep happening. So I totally understand it. Um, <clears throat> people got mad at Obama this last week because his birthday party. They're like, yeah, Obama invited 600 people or whatever. Always famous people. I'm like, yeah, they're all vaccinated. <laughs> and he still scaled it back. And I'm like, I'm like, you really mad at Obama? I'm like, there's like 58,000 shows going on. I'm seeing Guns N' Roses playing to 50,000 people and Corn is out playing to arenas and Lollapalooza, but Obama can't have a party? It's, it's his fault? I don't get it. I, I just don't. And people, people, I was yelling at people on Twitter. It's like, you know, he didn't, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. Obama, he's having a party. I'm like, he's rich. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. You, you, so you, rich people be rich and they be having parties. I mean, he can't have birthday party forever or just can rich people not birthday parties. I don't get it. What the hell do they think these motherfuckers going to move into a duplex after they leave the white house? I don't know. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it makes me think of this great youtube video i just watched my I told, i've mentioned this before but my favorite youtuber uh is a trans woman named natalie Wynn. it's called contra points in her new episode she goes like she really puts a lot into her videos in terms of research and production value so she hasn't put one out in months and she finally did one called envy and it just i'm, I'm only about halfway through it because it's about 90 minutes and it made me kind of realize that 
envy might be perhaps the most definable characteristic of our national character at, at the moment. So much is built on how we perceive what other people are doing and how we're, you know, mad at these people. You know, the, the Obama thing kind of reminded me very much of the <clears throat> Jeff Bezos thing. Everyone's mad at Jeff Bezos. He's going to the moon. He should be giving that money to the poor. I'm like, hey, I mean, the dude's worth like, I don't know, $300 billion or something. I mean, the, he, rich people are going to do weird shit with their money. I mean, that's what, what's the point of being rich if you can't do crazy shit? I, I don't know. I mean, he could, he could pay his work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say that for everyone rich, but they can't literally one person. Can they solve all the problems? No, maybe for a little bit, but I don't know. It's just, we got this, we're in very, we're, 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 we're in hater vibe, you know, just focus on your own shit. I don't know. Just the way I, I, I feel about it. I don't worry about rich people going in space. Anyway, not sure if uh, that little monologue went off the rails. I started good. I had a lot of steam and I think I petered out at the end and you know, it goes that way, but <clears throat> can't all be winners. I'm, I'm getting over being sick. I'll use that as my excuse. Anywho. We do have a show sponsor this week, and it's a sponsor that's back for the second time, which is amazing, which tells me the first time they were on the program, you listeners went out and checked their stuff out and supported them, streamed and bought their stuff and said, yo, I heard you on the X-Men, and that's wonderful, and I'm really happy. Okay, the artist is named Alex. She is from New York, and we have a song, a brand new song, new single entitled Monster.
So you just heard Monster by Alex. And the way that is spelled is A-L-Y-X-X. And she is an independent solo artist. She does have a band. And just to be more specific, from Rockland County, New York. And like I said, this is the second time she has sponsored the show. That was a, that was a fun song. It had you know, a little Evanescence, Lacuna Coil vibe with the, the synths and kind of gothy tones to it. I like the, uh, the modulation on the last chorus and the little... I like the chord progression the beginning has a little black metal feel to it for my for my taste and this brand new single is available to stream download on all major platforms you know where to go and she is performing at the blue ridge rock festival which is in virginia which is like the biggest festival this year it looks crazy battle was supposed to play kind of bummer we didn't get to play so go catch alex there and she also has a show september 11th 2021 in Danville, Virginia. And if you want to just check out what she has going on, follow her on Facebook and Instagram at official Alex or at officialalex.com. Remember that's A-L-Y-X-X. I was looking at the website. She has all her videos on there and all the links to other stuff. And just huge thanks to her for sponsoring the show. I follow her on Instagram. She's just constantly grinding doing stuff, putting up cool videos of her singing and stuff. So support her, check her out, tell her Doc Coyle sent you, the X-Man sent you, and that our fans, you know, we support the scene and we appreciate it. And we also have another sponsor, and this is, you might've heard this a couple weeks ago, but he's back again. This episode is also brought to you by the March 4th podcast with my main man, Mike Bauman. And it's a bi-monthly podcast featuring conversation with common threads of perseverance and moving forward. Not too different from this show. He has all kinds of people from musicians, business owners, colleagues, friends of his. And the goal of the podcast is to leave a positive impact and inspire listeners to persevere and pr pursue their dreams. Kind of feels like some hate breed lyrics. You know what I'm saying? Persevere! Perseverance! All right. <laughs> uh I've I've been on the show a couple times and Mike is cool because you know we we end up talking a lot about some basketball from time to time. But he's a he's a really, really good dude. Uh Sterling R. Jackson, the singer of Vegas Nerve, has been on the show. Clint Lowry of Seven Dust, Kellen McGregor of Memphis Mayfire, excuse me, and many, many other artists. You can listen to episodes of March 4th with Mike Bauman on all major platforms. You know where to go. Apple, iHeart, Spotify. And if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, follow Mike on Instagram at March4thPod and Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. That's B-A-U-M-A-N. Or go to the website, March4th.Podbean.com. All right. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, just hit me up on DMs or you can drop me an email at the Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's E-X. And we're pretty... I would say we're backed up, but it's probably, if you want to sponsor, probably be a month before you can get on, on here, but that's good. You know, people, people are, are, are liking sponsoring the show and I, I really appreciate it. Alrighty then we have an incredible guest. We have, I don't know, I'd say like as like classic and proper an X-Man as you could have, even though he's technically not an X-Man anymore, even though he's, he's done so many different things, but it's Tony Campos, bass player of Static X, Fear Factory, Prong, 
I could go, I could go on and on. This dude has, you know, soul fly. He's just a man and he's the nicest dude in the world. And he has, it's funny because if you see him, he has like that gruff metal guy kind of face and demeanor. And then you go talk to him and he's just like the sweetest guy in the world. But me and him have been in talks about doing this forever. And I'm so glad we, we finally got to do it. We did it in person, which is like, I'm trying to get back to that. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very important to me. And I'm just, you know, he was on the, that master list and it's another name I could just, you know, take off like Arya from uh, Game of Thrones, except we're not killing people. We are interviewing them. All right, I'm going to stop running my mouth. Let's get to the interview with the incredible. And I'd say maybe moving into that legendary category, Tony Campos. that beautiful voice there we go i'm gonna make you do death metal growls (laughs) because you know that's what i think the people came here for (laughs) well listen brother uh thank you so much for for taking your time to be on the show yeah you are if not the most requested guest one of the most really well but you got to keep mind i mean as long as i've been doing the show and even when i think we talked about it like a while back it was before the static x reunion yeah, so, yeah. So mm-hmm. you were like an officially like an X man. So that was the the light in which people saw you. Now, but this happens a lot of times because I'll talk to people about doing the show, and then their band will reform, and then they're no longer technically an X man. But you know, it all it all works the same. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's what's a label? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, man. I mean, you you have. I mean, one of the the more storied careers. I. I think, you know, just looking at all the stuff you've done, I'm like, man, this dude never stops working. <laughs> I've been lucky, man. I, I, that's all I can say, you know? It's just like, I've been really lucky with the uh, with the, the way things have fallen in the place one after another, you know? It's like through, through no fault of mine. You know? So you really, you really put it to, to luck? You feel that way? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I guess you know if I have if I don't keep my chops up, then I guess nobody's gonna want want me to play baseball. Yeah. You know? But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, like the the timing of of how everything fell into place for me so far. You know, has been yeah, just, just blind luck. You know? Well, I remember. I think we did. I want to say a Pantera song at one of the yeah, jam, the yeah. jam nights mm-hmm. and. I forget what song it might have been like i'm broken or a new level so it was, yeah. some, it was something new like level, that i think it was yeah. yeah and i just remember you know i've done a lot of those and then it was like you and someone else who was who was tight and i was just like i i did this <sighs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> because you, you'd be amazed well i'll say this there's and there's maybe there's something you've noticed there's a separation between People we know who are you know decent players or but and there's difference between that and the kind of professionals. The people just they go do their homework, they show up, and you just don't got to worry about them. And it was like you know what I'm saying, just tight tone, sounding good, everything. I was just like, and it and it was just it's just cool. And I think that's the reason why you probably get so many gigs is that you show up and they're like, God damn. Uh, yeah i mean i gotta be doing something right but uh i mean it's just fun for me you know and and like you know when when i do get get a gig uh, you know even something like 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 dime bash you know it's just like 
I want to, I want it to sound good, you know. And and I know if I, if I don't put the the work in to to know the song and and to play it right, it ain't gonna sound good, you know. And 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 that's the fun for me is is getting it to sound good and locking in with all the other players, you know. And and if you don't put in the work, you, you're not gonna get that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the things that keeps me up at night. <laughs> if you have a, a tough gig ahead of you and you're like, all right, that song's gonna be hard. That song, you know. Uh, so I've 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 definitely been there. But let's kind of go to the to the wayback machine. I mean, we were just talking about this before we were on air about that you're you're from L.A. Yeah, and L.A. has been this kind of centerpiece for rock music. I mean, going back to the '60s, right? Oh, yeah, you had so many artists. The uh, that that would that would come here. The whole was that the the valley scene. Or was it? Uh, what's the I'm thinking of? Um, go your own way. What's it? oh? Uh, Who's was that? Uh, Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Fleetwood Mac and bands like that. Mm-hmm. The Beatles came here, uh, and then obviously you have the late '70s with Van Halen and going into the, the '80s the, the glam, the glam scene. Yeah, glam scene, but. When Static X was was coming up, actually, let's even talk about before Static X. Um, like, how did that band even that sound, all that stuff, just seemed so crazy for the for, for the time? I mean, where I mean, because I can he- hear where I think the influences were were, but maybe you can. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, when when I first met Kenny and Wayne, um, they 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 had just left Chicago and they. Uh, they had done this uh, thrash band called Stygian. <laughs> and uh, um, I actually met Kenny working at Ticketmaster and they t- he told me they were looking for a bass player. And I was in a death metal band at the time, uh, Dominion. And I actually turned them down. I was like, nah, I, I'm already a band thing. And then, so then I, uh, a week later, I'm thinking about it and I was like, well, let's see, my band ain't doing shit. We don't have any gigs coming up. We have nowhere to rehearse. We're there's nothing in the future. So like, fuck it, let me go jam with these guys, you know. And so I go jam with them, and and it's funny because I, I, when I met Wayne, he walked in the door and he looked like Ian Asbury from the Cult. Okay. He, he had like a, a brown corduroy bell-bottom pants. I like this, it. Uh, this flowery shirt and just <laughs> straight jet black long hair, <laughs> and he had like this little this little man pouch thing. And uh, I was like, okay, this is definitely going to be different. <laughs> and uh, did they have songs? Uh, they had songs, but it was more like like a grunge thing. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it, it wasn't a thrash thing at all. Um, the the demo that Kenny gave me to to learn songs to go jam with, uh, it was there was a little bit of thrashy stuff in there. But there was also like you know the grungy part, and it was different enough for me. I was like, yeah, all right, let me go try this shit. You know, thrash grunge. I don't know if that. Yeah, you know, it was just it. like a you know upbeat kind of thing, <laughs> and then, and then and then break down into into a slower chorus. You know, something something that like dem- that. Is that demo still floating around? Um, it is. I think um, the original guitar player at the time emerson swinford who now plays guitar for rod stewart oh wow yeah uh i think i think he put out a track from that demo out on out on youtube or or facebook or something so i think he still has it i don't have it (laughs) i think he still has the missing demos yeah same same way with me there's all this old 
demos before God forbid it was called God forbid. I'm like, I know there's there's somewhere. So yeah. the guys have them, but you know, <laughs> one day they'll the people might, <laughs> they'll, might, they'll might hear it. I mean, so the Wisconsin Death Trip came out in '99. I mean, so th yeah, this was like '95 uh, when I met them. Oh wow, yeah. And uh, you know, we just we went through different phase, phases, trying different things. Uh, we even went through a, a, a punk rock phase where we were doing Black Flag and Circle Jerks covers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day, uh, Wayne came in with his Alesis uh, SR-16 drum machine. And he goes, check this out. And he hits play and he starts playing a riff. And I was like, yeah, let's rip off Ministry and Prong. <laughs> and that's where it started. Well, yeah, so that, that you mentioned Ministry when I said, like, I could kind of hear where so like ministry is so strong within with, with within the band especially on that on that first record and then i and then when i first time i heard the music and basically it was through wsou on in in jersey yeah and uh and i i just i was like heard i heard white zombie i heard ministry and then now that I listen to it, I almost you know you hear that kind of fear factory, almost strapping young lad thing underneath. Was mm -hmm. was, was that influence at all? Or am I just am I just no? Like like we we didn't really like I I don't know that Wayne ever really knew who strapping young lad was. Yeah, uh, I didn't hear about them till till later. Uh, See, till just, like we were out on tour, but the, the, our main influences for for the band were uh, uh, min obviously Ministry and Prong, the, uh, particularly. Uh, cleansing and rude awakening. Gotcha. Yeah, those yeah. records were, were big for us. And then, and then the other thing that that was really a real, real big influence later on, uh, as we were writing the songs for Wisconsin, was uh, you know the the that electronica movement. You know the Chemical Brothers, yeah. Dust Brothers. You know the, the Prodigy. That that stuff, and particularly Koichi coming in. Uh, you know he was that guy that that knew how to do all the programming and, and shit. Yeah, like listening, you know, because I was listening to the stuff uh, before the interview, and it made me feel like I was back in that era. Because you, you know, I'm really into film scores. So you think about like the Fight Club yeah. uh, score, which mm -hmm. I think is yeah, that's uh, the Chemical Brothers. Chemical Brothers, yeah. mm -hmm. the Dustin Chemical. We get, yeah, we get right? mixed up. <laughs> Two <laughs> um, brothers running around. You know the 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 Matrix score, yeah. and a lot of also a lot of the bands that were that that were on that. It's very of that era and we think about industrial as a subgenre which to some degree i almost feel like kind of disappeared i don't i don't know if that's accurate maybe i'm not in tune in in, in tune with that like i went to a friend of mine uh, militia vox who sings for judas priestess she has a solo uh band that's kind of gothy with industrial uh influences and she had a show and i was just like Back, I remember when you know in the mid late nineties, like you go to a goth club and it was insane. It was packed. It was mm -hmm. nuts. And I'm like, does that scene still exist? Yeah, I mean, I I, I never went to those clubs. <laughs> you know, I'd I'd come home and uh, was anyone you know, in the band I'd, going I'd, to those clubs? Uh, I think Wayne was part of that scene in Chicago. Yeah, not so much when he got to L.A., but in Chicago, he he was big into the goth scene. Um, but I, I, maybe Kenny went went to some of that stuff, but Wayne was really into the goth stuff. You know, like uh, Sisters of Mercy was was pretty big for him. Uh, and 
but you know, as far as the rest of us, uh, that was one of the like like I mean, he turned me on to typo negative, and that's as close to the to the goth scene that yeah. I got, you know. <laughs> uh, but even like nine inch nails. Yeah, I think is, is oh, that's just definitely some dark, gloomy gothiness to. But just to them, you know yeah. the the electronic stuff, mm -hmm. the programming, crazy sounds, and just just very dark music. I mean, I don't know what the if there's a modern version of that. You know, even though I guess now everything is in a weird way, everything is kind of more computerized and mechanical no matter what even though Yeah, no matter what genre cuz yeah. everybody you're, you're you're to a grid and everybody's using uh you know, auto-tune and yeah, just the, taking the human element out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was a a pretty big burgeoning scene here, you know, with you guys System of a Down, Coal Chamber, Fear Factory. Uh, I mean, was there kind of an awareness that this was the new metal thing, or was it just we're a bunch of kind of rock metal bands just trying to fucking make shit happen? Um, I mean, I I think it certainly started out that way. Um, but I think I think once uh. Once the record deals started coming in for for all the bands, they were like, it was just like, oh shit, this is like, real something. Yeah, <laughs> this this is something legit. This is going somewhere, you know. And we got lucky. We we kind of caught on the tail end of that, you know. And uh, I think we were we were one of the last few bands out of the scene to to pick up a record deal. Yeah, that was probably the last. Feeding frenzy, I suppose, where, yeah. where you could be mm -hmm. a, a basically brand new band and get a, a million dollar record deal. You know, I, I'm good buddies with the band um, Forty Below Summer. I remember they oh, got yeah. they got a they got a nice deal. They you they know? were telling us about it. I was like, <laughs> you don't say. Can I can I hold twenty dollars till next Wednesday? <laughs> and they they got their deal. I think it it was ninety nine. It was right right around mm -hmm. that right around that same. Oh no, no no, their record came out in like two thousand one. I'm sorry, yeah. but anyway. Uh, but yeah, that was the last kind of freeding frenzy. Mm -hmm. But you, if you think about it, I mean, you know, uh, Limp Biscuit was selling five million records, and Papa Roach was selling five million records, and Disturbed. I mean, it was people still bought records. It was a bit. I mean, it was yeah. the biggest thing happening, and the oh, fact yeah. and that it was competitive on a on a very commercial level, so it actually made a lot of a lot of sense. But uh, it seemed like the band pretty much it was like that record hit, and it was just. Boom. Yeah, like I, I think what really turned the dial up for us was uh, that Ozfest yeah. in '99. That got us in front of a whole bunch of different people, and it it just made everything, you know, hit ten, and we were off to the races, and you know, we didn't come home for like a year and a half. <laughs> but I, I really think the bands just stood out, even amongst that group of people I mean, it wasn't like you guys weren't rapping you know you weren't it, there was a visual dynamic but it wasn't i don't think typical like didn't like you oh we're trying to look like that band or we're you know what i'm saying like yeah like, like, like all the, the the elements it just felt like you didn't come out like oh they're they're trying to sound like corn they're trying to sound like lincoln park it was still its own thing and it was still fucking heavy yeah, I mean, uh, as, as far as the, the visual aspect of the band, I, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like each guy kind of had his own personality yeah. as opposed to like looking like we're all like a uniform. Try, yeah, trying to be the same the same guy. 
so in a way, visually, it was it was kind of different, and it, it, it I guess it was kind of our way to try to be like Kiss, but without the makeup, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember when when did Wayne like do the hair? I you do, you know what I can't put a, a my my finger on when exactly the hair came up because because <laughs> at, at one point you know he just shaved his head yeah he went completely bald and i i never noticed until one day i look over and I'm like oh hey he's got his hair up you know it just kind of came out of nowhere there was a lot of crazy hair back then yeah you know? so it's probably it was like oh that guy's got a mohawk that guy's got dreadlocks it was just mm -hmm. it was a hair time we were doing a lot of right? crazy things with yeah, hair. yeah 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 and and the way he would tell it is like he, he he used to do a similar hairstyle back in the uh, goth days in Chicago. So he just brought it back. Yeah, there's not too many iconic haircuts. For, yeah, for, I mean it's kind of I mean there's just you know everything's been done, but there's very few people that have that mm -hmm. thing that's just that, that's that's just them. It's that's pretty just, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I remember this uh, one time we're out on tour, and uh, you know Wayne would sleep with his hair up, yeah, <laughs> and like he he'd sleep between two pillows to, to keep his hair straight. And uh, so early in the morning, we hit a truck stop, and uh, I go I go in the diner and have some breakfast, and you know I'm surrounded by truckers, and then Wayne steps off the bus in his pajamas and his hair up to the, up to the sky, and one of the truckers he's like. Damn, that's the biggest rooster I ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's tall too. Yeah, he's yeah, tall yeah. Too. He, 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 he was he was tall to begin with, and then with the hair, he's just like you know. I'm just picturing. He draws attention. You know? <laughs> I'm just picturing a fan, like maybe seeing Wayne were off the bus and his hair was down, and they just be like, they just like Who's cry. They just be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. It's like finding out Santa Claus isn't real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, back then. Um, he really made an effort to not be seen with his hair down. Wow. Yeah. They had serious, serious stuff. Yeah, no, he took it. He took it seriously. <laughs> so I got to see you guys on the Pantera Slayer, Extreme Steel, yeah. Morbid Angel, yeah. and Scrape. Scrape. Yep. And I, I guess that's, I guess not technically the last tour, but it's the last tour they did in the States. Yeah. Well, they went to Europe. I went to, they went to Europe. I don't know if they actually got to play any shows, but I know they went to Europe because. Um, no, the last thing they did was Japan, right? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was some, some, but it's all part of that Slayer and Pantera yeah, were doing, mm -hmm. doing everything together. Um, so that tour, I just remember kind of almost being like a little hesitant about Static X being on this tour, like, man, this is like the real oh, metal tour, right? <laughs> you were hesitant. Dude, I've been in many a Slayer crowd flipping off the opening band. Fuck you, Slayer! And, and, and that that wasn't that wasn't gonna be the first time we opened for Slayer, actually. Um, we had, had got an opportunity to open for Slayer, I think it was like 98 before we got signed. And we had just started working with Andy Gould, mm. uh, who uh, used to manage, uh, you know, White Zombie, Rob Zombie, uh, and his best friend was Rick Sales, who manages Slayer. 
So somehow he got us on this bill with Slayer in San Diego. And I was like, what? No, we're going to get killed. I was scared. Dude. I was like, how'd it go over? It went over all right. You know, like a few people flipped us off, but nobody was like throwing shit at us and nobody had their back to us. And, you know, so I was like, okay, we, we kind of made it through unscathed. No, but that's, but, but that's what I was, that's the point I was going to make was when you guys actually went on one, you sounded great. And, you guys are a really popular band. I think that's uh, probably what people don't get that there's this, and I'm gonna, I wanna talk about this a little later when we kind of get back to the reunion, but there's this like difference between the kind of hater mentality on like the internet and what the actual happens in the real world. And in the real world, Static X had platinum records, was probably selling a shitload of tickets on their own and was bringing a lot of value to that tour in terms of bringing being like a newer band that was representing a newer style that was bringing probably like younger kids out and things and things like that. And you guys are really fucking good live band. So like, there may, I'm sure there was a bunch of people, some haters in the crowd, but by the time you went on, it was like, hey, this shit's fucking happening. Yeah, I mean, it, we always had really good shows on, on that tour. Um, Any horror I, stories? Uh, well, the first, I think two weeks of that tour, um, I had a broken collarbone. How? Uh, motorcycle accident. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, so I was in a sling for the for the first uh, two weeks of that tour. And You were I still just, playing? I, no, I was just up there doing my backing vocals with my friend Marty O'Brien. Oh, Marty. Shout yeah. out to Marty. I yeah. love Marty. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he was playing bass for me. That's sick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, so, from then on, Dime would call me uh, Sling Blade. He'd see me in the hallway, uh, whatever arena. We were like, "Hey, sling blade!" He swings arm around you. <laughs> <laughs> what about so? What about touring with Pantera? I mean, were they, you know, as infectious? Would would they kidnap you and make you do shots? What was going on? No, well, it's funny because like the the first time I met those guys um, was Ozfest two thousand, and I was on a sober kick. Gotcha. for for that for that year and so i would hang out those with those guys but i i didn't drink and so when i saw them again on extreme steel i was done with that sober shit <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yeah let's go let's drink you know and so yeah I'd, I'd, I'd hang out with those guys sometimes and uh i'd go on uh on Vinny and, and rex's bus sometimes and and they'd always play you know these these weird gambling games and shit and so i i remember i don't even remember the game but i just remember one day coming out of their bus with uh 500 bucks in my pocket and i was like cool <laughs> i won 500 bucks from pantera <laughs> there you go here's the thing though they were they were doing all right i don't think they missed it okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but um so with static x i mean the the band i was looking you guys put out seven records in 10 years, which is extremely productive. I, I imagine you were on the road most of the time, must have been uh, a whirlwind. Yeah, no, we we, we, uh, we stayed pretty busy, uh, particularly the, uh, the you know, the, the first couple of years, you know, in support of Wisconsin, we were out like, I, I think we came home like a total of uh, a month and a half, you know, between tours, like a couple days here, a couple days there, just, just kept going because like we we didn't know we could say no 
Yeah. They just management like, all right, we got this for you. We got this. Okay, okay. Oh, they'll 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 ride that horse yeah. till the horse is dead. Especially when it's a a, a lucrative horse. Yeah, right. And 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 that was one of the kind of things because I remember you guys did a tour with I think with Shadows Fall. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and Divine Heresy. Divine Heresy, like, three inches of blood. What two thousand six or seven? Something like that. Six or seven, yeah. But mm-hmm. And I was, you know, you know, friends with all those those bands, and they were just like, dude, yeah, every fucking show is sold out. And I was like, really cool because it showed that Static X was you saw how many bands fell off, right? That were in that kind of blew up during the during the new metal boom. And then as soon as that went away, and then all these kind of the the kill switches and hate breeds came out, a lot of those bands fell off. But you guys kind of just were ho- holding it down, which which showed that the the band was doing something that was different and special had a connection with the audience all that um so you guys just that was pretty badass that just seemed like the band was just like a fucking freight train just keep on yeah i mean you know it it it, by by the time we we were doing that tour i mean we we certainly weren't at the at the level we were when you know wisconsin death trip came out but i think we we were still in a good place and you know we were being consistent yeah. Um. With, with the draws and the sales, and um, you know, we weren't going to be filling up filling up arenas anytime soon. But you know, we we were doing pretty good. Yeah, and, but if you and, can sell out like theaters and things like yeah, that, yeah, we you're, were still doing you know House of Blues size venues. Yeah, you know? yeah, and uh, I, you know, we were pretty comfortable and doing pretty good. You know? So somehow during this time, even before that, that you you were able to start Asesino. Yeah, well, that it's funny how that thing started out because um, you know those first couple of years we we did like three four tours with, with Fear Factory, and so I, I got to know Dino pretty well. Um, and on that last tour that we did, uh, he would have me come out and uh, sing Angel of Death with them. <laughs> and so when that tour was over. Dino hit me up about this side project that he that he wanted to do, um, which was a side project off of Brujeria, this other side project that he had. And the idea was that each member of Brujeria was going to do their own solo record. And his character, Asesino, was going to have the first one out. And so he asked me to come in and, and just do vocals. Um, originally, Paul Gray was supposed to play bass on it. That shit. Yeah. And then for some reason, he couldn't do it. And I was like, well, I'm already here. I can play. Uh, give me bass. <laughs> and so I tracked the bass. And it, so it was just it was me, Raymond Herrera on drums, and, and Dino, of course. And um, so we finished the record. And I was like, man, this is fucking awesome. Let's do some shows, man. <laughs> so we managed to do one show, uh, this little hole in the wall out in El Sereno. And, uh, you know, the whole gimmick with, with Brujeria is, uh, you know, you, you wear masks and you're, nobody's supposed to know who you are and you have like different names. And so we get off the van to go into the, into the venue and automatically there's like fans like, hey, 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 Dino, hey, Tony, hey, Raymond. And we get into the dressing room and Raymond's like, well, why the fuck are we wearing these masks then? You know? <laughs> it's part of the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we got to do one one show with Raymond, and then uh, this that split with Fear Factory happened, and uh, so uh, 
I guess Raymond was out of Asino too. So um, luckily, uh, I was like, I know the guy. And uh, I, I hit up my, my old buddy Emilio, who, who plays in Possessed. And um, I was like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, can you fly out to, where was it, Houston? Because uh, we, had, we had scheduled uh, Asasino to, to do the second half of a Static X tour. Mm. And so I was, so I was like, let me call Emilio. And he flew out and did the gig, and he's been in the band ever since. That's amazing. I went to a show. Asino played, was it a slide bar? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, not, I mean, maybe six months or a year before the, yeah. before, the, before, mm-hmm. before the pandemic. And it was absolute mayhem. <laughs> and there's something, if you've ever been, and I've also seen Brujeria in, in LA, and obviously you have a large, you know, Mexican American population, mm-hmm. and they have a certain affinity with it with these bands, and there's a certain kind <laughs> of insanity at these shows, and and I've seen it when I listen to it in Brujeria, they almost remind me more of like hardcore bands. Yeah, there's definitely that element. It's like grindcore, sure. like yeah. like, like mm-hmm. the stuff just sounds like music you're supposed to mosh to and yeah. stage dive mm-hmm. and, and act act fucking yeah. in, in, insane to. I mean, outside of tours like that, has the band toured a lot? Or mainly doing like? Because uh, I know you've done I mean, stuff in like Mexico. Yeah, and, uh, mainly, mainly we do uh, stuff down in uh, Mexico, South America. Um, that shit must be insane. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I, I love doing that shit. I mean, we've we've done the some U.S. touring, um, namely the you know opening for Static. Yeah, and. Um, it, it, it was funny doing that because, like, you know, I'm wearing the mask and shit. And, you know, at first, you know, there's people in the front. They're just like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> and then, like, three, four songs in, it hits them. Oh, shit, that's Tony. <laughs> and, like, I can literally see it in their faces. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's fucking hilarious I'm to see to like every this. time. Every time I see it, you know. <laughs> Well, again, again, it's just amazing that you're you're able to find time to kind of kind of do all this stuff. But it seems like you just you just liked it and you wanted to have fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like this is the dream job, you know. Like, uh, like I used to have to pay people to let me do this, you know. <laughs> and uh, I mean, like I said, I'm just a, I feel like I'm the luckiest fan alive, you know. I get to get to do this and to get get to play with my heroes, you know, like, you know, people, people would ask me why I never like, like after static initially fell apart, why I didn't do my own thing. And I was just like, well, when your heroes ask you to play in their band, you know, how do you, how are you going to say no? (laughs) Well, I, listen, I think you, you, one thing I've always admired about your career is you're in static X, which is this band that I think perceived by some elitist as like being a a mainstream band or a you know certain kind of thing oh yeah, yeah sure. but mm-hmm. because of things like assassino and and you know down the line playing with fear factory and things like this you're all you're also someone who has just a lot of scene credibility or street cred <laughs> where, where where you have like this one foot in the underground but also this other foot in kind of the 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 more mainstream or career side of, mm-hmm. the, of the of the music industry, and that's just that's very tough to pull off to kind of have a lot of success, but then also people go, I respect that guy because he's a real player. He understands the kind of 
the top to bottom, you know, like it shows that you're not pretentious when you go, oh, I'll play this hole in the wall place on Monday and then you'll see me at the arena with Pantera on, on Friday. <laughs> well, I, I still love playing those hole in the wall places, you know, it's just that, that that vibe that you don't get when you're playing a big stage in a big room, you know? Totally. Yeah. It, it, and, you know, I, I guess I'm lucky I'm able to, to still experience both, you know, all, all, all the different types of vibes and experiences that you can get doing shows and yeah it's, it, it, it's funny though because like it, when uh when i first got the gig with possessed and we were going to do a i, I think the, one of the first gigs i did with them was hellfest and they made the announcement and they showed the picture of the band and there were all kinds of fucking hate comments oh fuck that new metal guy <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just like, kid, like, I was probably listening to Possessed Seven Churches while you were swimming around in your father's balls. I mean, come on. Like, you have no fucking clue. So I have this theory about Possessed <laughs> that it's the number one patch that people get on their vest that I feel like half the people, maybe they've never even listened to Possessed. They ever seen the band, but they're like, you have to, if you have a, like a battle vest or like a leather, <laughs> yeah. you need the possessed patch. That's just like, <laughs> maybe Motorhead and Possessed are like right? one, one yeah. and two, mm -hmm. but I feel like Possessed just, it's just one of those, one of those bands. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm surprised that that hasn't shown up on like, like a Possessed shirt hasn't shown up on like one of the Kardashians or something. You know, it's just <laughs> It might, I don't know. <laughs> Chris Brown or somebody right, yeah. had to. I, I mean, was one of those bands, you know. Um, actually, I saw them at Knotfest. But the last the last time there was a Knotfest, mm -hmm. that was the first one I saw. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm finally seeing the band that yeah, I've no. seen the patch I, yeah. <laughs> and the t-shirts. Yeah, and I never got to see Possessed back in the day, you know. So, like, when, when uh, Emilio called me uh, for the audition, like. They made you audition. <laughs> yeah, well, because they, they were auditioning a bunch of people, and, and I didn't go expecting to get the gig. Gotcha. Like I didn't even rehearse. I was just, I was just wanted to go and talk to Jeff, because like I'd never got to meet Jeff. I never got to see them play, you know. Uh, um, and so the whole, the whole time they're based in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, well, he is. Um, some of the Emilio and some of the other guys are are, are here in L.A. and then. Uh, Daniel, uh, the lead guitar player, uh, he's in Florida. Gotcha. Um, but they rehearse out here. They rehearse at Emilio's place. And uh, so I'm just hanging out, like asking Jeff questions, you know, like total <laughs> fanboying out. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, let's play the song. <laughs> and I, like I said, I, I didn't expect to get the gig. And I was just, I was just there being a fanboy. And how long did you play with them? Uh, I only did like. Maybe eight gigs total. Oh wow! Because they 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 would play so infrequently. Yeah. And you know, like uh, I I need the work. So you know, eventually I think uh, I I got busy with Soulfly. Yeah. And I just couldn't do gigs with them anymore. So they got a they got a good buddy of mine, uh, Bobby Cardenas, to go in and play bass, and he, he's he's been awesome with them. Great. But so yeah, no, that that time I I got to play with the Zest, I was like. You know, childhood dream come true. You, you gotta, know? gotta, gotta, gotta take take that time to smell the roses, as I as I say. Yeah, right. So, 
God forbid my old band had the good fortune to do some festivals with Static X right before the band yeah, uh, mm -hmm. disbanded I, in I 2009. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was cool to, again, like I said, I mean, Static X was like this fucking train that just kept rolling, still had some success. But that was also around the time that, you know, uh, Wayne was like doing solo stuff and there was a lot of rumors going around. I, I remember, you know, I think, I don't know if this was a Static X tour, if it was a Wayne Static uh, solo tour, but. Well, if it was but, after 2009 and it was solo, so, yeah. Yeah, cause I, well, I just remember there was a tour with uh, El Nino and Emure. Yeah, that was a solo. Yeah, and like, yeah. he, they mm -hmm. dropped off and being close to those bands, hearing a lot, a lot of the rumors. Um, you know, what was that? time period like for you i mean you've been working with this band for well over a decade and all of a sudden everything's kind of up in the air yeah like like at the end of 2009 um it, you know i was just like fuck what am i gonna do now you know um was it was it did he basically say i'm, I'm done well with you i mean guys? I, I i knew the band was done at the beginning of that year uh the uh, first week of the very first tour on that album cycle, uh, he pretty much told me, you know, if you don't like what's going on next year, I'll go solo and I'll keep all the money. That's basically what he told me. Yeah. Uh, so I knew, I knew it, 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 that was it. That last year was that last album cycle was going to be it. Um, but you know, like you think you can prepare yourself for something, you know, and you're just like when it finally happens, you're just, you're just like fuck, you know, what am I going to do now? I mean, before the last tour in Australia, I got a call from Tommy Victor uh, asking me if uh, I was available to do a, a run with them in October. Uh, they were opening for uh, Soulfly, I think. And I was like, fuck yeah, sign me up, man. Like, uh, pay me whatever, I don't care. Fucking just give me somewhere to fucking sleep. And you know, I jumped in a van with those guys, teched for myself, and had the fucking most awesome time that whole year. And uh, and so I'm like in a good mood, and and I get home, and then I realize, fuck, I gotta go do this Australia run with Static, and they're just like, fuck, <laughs> you know, like that. That's how that's how miserable it was for so me. So what? Was, I mean, what was? going on inside that the the band at the time is was it just the kind of ramifications of the drug use and all that stuff it, it, yeah it was that and you know uh, wayne wanted his wife in the band basically and to do what whatever she wanted gotcha. <laughs> basically um and you know because it was just me and him you know i couldn't outvote out him he couldn't outvote me so it was kind of like well you do what you want i'm gonna do what i want yeah you know and uh did that i mean i imagine at some point because you it, you know there was like the original lineup and i'm sure at some point there was that camaraderie and all for yeah. one for all attitude but at that point was it just kind of we're just here to pay the bills kind yeah of thing? at that point you know after you know i you know after that first week and i realized it was over it was just kind of like all right well, let's just let's just ride this through i mean yeah i, I wasn't gonna quit yeah you know and, and give up my half of everything you know so i was just like all right let's just ride this out until you know until this album cycle's over and then we'll figure it out from there and 
you know, to, and like we rarely spoke that whole year and he kept himself, I kept myself and, and just that animosity just built yeah. throughout that whole year. So by the end, by the time it was all done, it was just like, you know, it's like this wall between us, you know? Um, so when we, when he went solo, was it, that was basically, was that a, something he said to you? Hey, that's it. It's over. I'm doing this. Yeah. Uh, at the, on that last U.S. tour, that uh, pedal to the metal tour with uh, Mudvayne and Black Label. Um, yeah, he pretty much told me his plans. He gave me the fuck you, I'm going solo speech, basically. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. You, know, you do you, man. And uh, I'll go figure out, I'll figure something else out to do. And uh, when he passed away, I mean, was that something based on his lifestyle when you're in the band? Was that something you kind of saw coming or were you? Were yeah, you I mean, you know, like, I mean, it, by, by the time the band fell apart, you know, I, I knew the stuff he was using, you know, yeah, heavy with the pharmaceuticals and the cocaine, uh, you know, he heavy alcohol consumption, you know, everything. Yeah, he was just full bore. Hey, you guys, settle down. His his cats are fighting. It was, it was a it was a, it was a good scrum. A lot of left <laughs> and right hooks over there. <laughs> um, so. I forgot where I was. No, we were just, you were just saying that you were understood kind of what what was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see. I, I, I could see the road he was going down, and and at that point we already had a few friends that had gone down that exact same path, and we knew where it would end up. And but he, you know, you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped, man. And yeah. you know, they if. And when the only person, the only other person they'll listen to is also on that same path, it's just like, you can't really reach them, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, listen, it's a, it's a tragedy. Anytime anyone dies or, yeah. of you know something like that. But I mean, and, and, and I, this is, this, I think these are tough conversations to have because obviously we, do, we don't want to speak ill of the dead um, or kind of uh, retread stuff like that to make it seem like that. But, you know, just to kind of put a positive note on it is, I mean, what a unique talent uh i mean just listen to back some records i mean what he could do vocally yeah was kind of like there's not too many people around that could have that range and just the tonality the guitar tones i mean everything was just uh i mean he was a really an iconic figure yeah you know? i mean i remember having a, having a discussion with uh one of our former guitar players uh, early on in you know back in the early days before, before the band got signed and uh, we were just remarking on how unique Wayne's voice was and like I we'd never heard anybody sound quite like Wayne you know and so he had his own thing and we felt that was a big asset for the band to do anything you know it was like his voice was was key to that and um and and you know his delivery and uh, and 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 his guitar playing he was a solid solid rhythm player man. Yeah, the band was always that to me that what exemplified the style was the tightness the band was just so remarkably rhythmic rhythmically in sync yeah yeah I mean, Kenny right up there with with 
the most solid drummers I've ever played with. And, you know, I, I, I always say, you know, I'm, I'm only as good as my drummer. If my drummer can't be solid, then there's no way I can fucking lock in yeah. with, with the drummer. That's just about any band, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, Wayne, Wayne, between Wayne's voice and, and his rhythm playing, it's just like few guys can, can, can touch that, you know? Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. So after his, his passing, I'm sure the, the you know, I, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but I'm, I'm sure the, it kind of closed that door, you know, for anything in the in the in the immediate future so where does kind of your career and, and and focus or what do you like what are you thinking about is well, the, my, is the phone ringing to hey do this or are you just kind of well, like, like a, a few months after uh wayne had passed uh i got a few phone calls like hey you should do the band again i'm like no dude i'm just not even man and, and 
at the time I, I I was still playing with Soulfly, so I was like, you know, I I, I like what I'm doing with these guys, uh, and I see no reason to to you know like it's like too soon to even fucking even take a phone call about this, you know? It's like the how guy long just did you, passed. how long did you play with Soulfly? Uh, like three and a half years. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I did a. Uh, Handful of tours with the Cavalier Conspiracy. Uh, um, like I said, you you never stop working. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like it, it's it's weird how shit just fell right into each other. Like when uh, when Max was gonna start doing that killer be killed thing. Yeah. Um, I was like, fuck. Okay, what am I gonna do now? And I get a call from Al Jorgensen, and he's like, hey. Uh, what are you doing? Come play bass. Like, All right, cool. So I go. So I go do that. Comes full circle. Yeah. So I. So I go. So I go do. Go play with ministry again. Uh, and then I. I, I kind of finished. As I'm finishing that album cycle out, um, we're doing. Uh, what is this? I think Soundwave in Australia, and Fear Factory's on the bill. And I'm talking to Matt. Uh, known him for years, and. and He's telling me after this tour, that's it. I'm retiring. And this is Matt, who's in Chimera. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, Matt DeVries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, I know this is going to wind down pretty soon. So uh, like, hey, Dino, uh, <laughs> who's going to play bass for you? And you know, what's funny is that like, Fear Factory was the gig that I wanted when I knew Static X was falling apart. Yeah. And, you know, by the time I realized what was gonna happen, um, they'd already gotten Byron, Byron Stroud to play bass for him. So awesome like, bass player, yeah, awesome yeah, guy. No, he's great, yeah. Yeah, um, get, you ever get to see him play with uh, Three Inches of Blood? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, he, he, uh, I saw him at a festival. Great, fucking awesome. There. But I did see him with Fear Factory. Yeah. Um, and so years, years later, you know, the opportunity comes around again and I'm like, Hey Dino, you got anybody to play bass for it? <laughs> and so I, I sign up to do that. And so I'm finishing up my, my, uh, commitments with, with ministry. And during the day I'm in the dressing room learning Fear Factory songs. The last show of that ministry tour I think it was a heavy Montreal or something. Mm-hmm. And we headlined the second stage, I think on Friday night. And then all those guys left. I stayed behind to do my first show with Fear Factory the next afternoon at 1 p.m. Did you even rehearse with them? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just practiced in the dressing room while I was out tour with ministry. And so Dino shows up, and then, and then half their gear doesn't make it. The airline lo- loses half their gear. Always fun. So yeah, so they're scrambling around trying to find shit, and I'm just kind of like, uh, okay, well, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> I can go direct. Yeah. It's fine. I got my Sans amp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a really hectic first show with uh, with Fear Factory, but managed to pull it off. So. So it's the second band you've done with 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 Dino 
What's it what's it like being in a band with Dino and just kind of his, you know, his style? I mean, he has such a a, a classic sound and, and Yeah, his right hand is uh, pretty intense, man. We'll have and, to put uh, that in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. Yeah, just, just his hand. Just his hand. Um Yeah, but you know, having played with Dino to at that point 10 years um yeah, with doing Asasino with him, you know, I was I, I was used to his his style and speed, and and I knew I could keep up with him. Um, yeah, that's a serious. Just, that's a that's a tell you that that Fear Factory gig. That's got to definitely test your your. Uh, it, it's it's very right hand intensive. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very right hand intensive. Um, and the particular thing that I didn't pick up till after that first gig. And we actually got the rehearse. Was Dino's a real stickler for down picking? Yeah. Without Sino, whatever. It's just it's punk rock, you know. Like it's not a big deal. But he wanted the bass to down pick. Yeah. He he want he wants the bass guitar down picking, doing everything exactly how, he's, how doing. he's doing it. And I, I tend to up pick a lot of stuff. Like usually my first hit is an up pick it's mm. like when I, I don't know why i do that that is interesting. i just i just i can only theorize that i started doing that because, like when i started playing bass i i, I started out playing finger stop mm. and then I, I quickly realized that i couldn't keep up with my favorite bass players at the time so i switched to a pick well i guess theoretically if you're a finger but, style, but it's always, finger style it's all you're, you're always picking up, up. Yeah, yeah so that's what i did i picked up <laughs> and there was never anybody there to say no you're doing that wrong so i just that's just what i do yeah hey, i play weird too it's, yeah we, we... <laughs> and so and so i get to this rehearsal with with, with dino for fear factory and you know i i start up picking some stuff and he's like no you're doing that wrong you have to pick everything down I'm like Okay, you're gonna have to give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, te- technique, man, yeah, is, is, yeah. A, is a real but, thing. But I, but I get why he's a stickler for that with Fear Factory because it 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 fits that that motif and, and you know of uh, of man and machine and and, and man being machine like and you know having everything so synchronized, including the picking of the bass and the guitar. So yeah, I get why he wants that. And and it really does, you know, come across in the music, you know, that giving it more of that mechanical kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and, the, and as they say, the devil's in the details. Yeah. So as, as someone who has gotten to just do all these different gigs, it seems like every time you have a, a gap in your schedule, you find yourself in a, in a, in a cool position. I mean, do you think there's anything about your approach kind of professionally that has kind of allowed you to have all these opportunities? Besides, I know you mentioned luck before, but is there any way out? Because luck, it's not like, some people say we can make our own luck, uh, but I, I, I definitely feel like uh, the people that do get a lot of these opportunities because they put themselves in that position. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess you know, not not being a dick helps. You know? <laughs> I mean, agreed, agreed. <laughs> I, I mean, I've known a few, you know, musicians over over the years that that get gigs and then 
turned out to be a nightmare to 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 live with and then they end up losing the gig and you know a lot of this job too is is getting along with people because you're out on tour you got to live with these people on on this rolling tube you know and, and if you can't get along with people then the, you're not gonna last long you know like no nobody wants to jam with the dick yeah you know <laughs> like don't, I, don't, don't. I, don't, I don't care if you're Ingve, you know if if you're gonna be an asshole get the fuck out you know like you know unless you know you're Ingve and you can hire all the musicians and well, i'm paying you so i can be a dick around you you know <laughs> Anyway, I, I saw this quote. He goes, I don't collaborate with people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what right. are you talking? I'm like, yeah. no, no one? You, you, you just, I do everything. I'm like, all right, all right, Ingve. Yeah. He's, mm -hmm. listen. He's Ingve, man. I, I never, I never really learned. I feel like I have to learn the Ingve stuff just as a guitar player, but his, uh, his philosophy is, is, is one of a kind. <laughs> Shout out to Ingve. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't collaborate, people. Be like Ingve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like half the gigs I've gotten is just because I think people like hanging out with me. That yeah. that I feel like once it gets to a certain level of caliber, you can get. There's a bunch of people out there that can play the stuff. You know, yeah. it's it's mm -hmm. it's more about you know not only I think be, just being around you being cool, but it's also just being low maintenance where it's like, I don't have to worry about that guy. Yeah. I don't, they're not complaining about the rider. Mm -hmm. They're not bitching about the equipment. They're not, they're just like, I can kind of just, I don't have to worry about them. They're, they're self-sufficient. Yeah. They're going to um, show up, do their job and then not cause a ruckus and, you know, but I'm like drama, but I'm like you were, I just, I feel like almost every gig, that I got paid, I would probably would have done for free. Yeah, if right. They, if they needed it, because I'm like, this is sick. I'm like, I, it, you get to rock out, and then this is my my day to day life. So, yeah. so I've, you know, I think part of it, and this is something that comes up on the the podcast a lot, is people we know uh, in this industry that maybe didn't have the success that they wanted to end up becoming bitter. Yeah, and so then just be doing the job or being around it they kind of like they they have they they put a negative spin on it they have that resentment yes yeah. they almost end up re resenting the mm -hmm. music itself or yeah. touring itself because they expected one thing to happen it didn't happen so now they're like that is the reason why i'm unhappy so i'm so and i'm, I'm we, we've known people who they quit their band or their band breaks up and they like they like sell all their gear and there's like they just move on mm -hmm. Which is fine, like yeah, it, it, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not for it, everybody. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know? Well, it it depends what it is. It's just like I said, I'm. It's you know, I I felt when I was younger, I would play like I really needed that reinforcement from an audience to tell me like you're good you're cool people like you like i you know for my self-esteem mm -hmm. where now that's kind of gone away where i almost get the same feeling jamming in a room rehearsal room as i do when i do a show because it's more about me and the other people it, it's more about the interaction with, yeah. with you and the other musicians in, in the room yeah yeah that's a big part of it for it, me too. just that sound of like because you know you, you can be in your room and playing along mm -hmm. and it's cool but it's yeah but when you get in a room with other people dude, yeah that's the magic dude it's the best yeah you know and 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 that's the thing that 
that that whatever feeling that gives you the the goosebumps or the you know that's kind of and even during the pandemic where we haven't even been able to rehearse like we normally would you i miss that more than anything and yeah then add an audience in the the adrenaline and then of course it, it ramps up and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that i haven't even yeah. played it i haven't even played a show yet I, have you yeah I, I, it's been over a year now okay yeah, yeah. so you were, we're basically yeah. in the, in the no nah, i got the itch dude <laughs> yeah that's why i'm doing this project with rizzo man we're just we're doing covers and we're just gonna go play little holes in the wall and you know just have a mark rizzo yeah mark rizzo where are you playing uh we, we, we haven't booked anything yet but uh shit, i'll do it Maybe yeah he's, guitar. Uh, yeah talk to rizzo <laughs> i'll call him but uh we we uh we actually recorded a, a cover of uh what is it god of thunder um and uh, you're supposed to be putting out the lyric video in a couple of days or something. Oh. But uh, so you're doing like reinterpreted and like reinterpreted covers, so, or kind sort of, straight, of more straightforward. Uh, sort of. Uh, I mean, I'm singing some of the stuff. Rizzo singing some of the stuff. Uh, right. Opus, the drummer, he's gonna sing some stuff. There you go. Uh, but yeah, it's just I just want to get out and have fun, man. You know, I'm like I've been cooped up in the house for you know, a year and a half now, and you know. All given everything that's happened to me lately, you know, with my family and stuff, it's just like I, I just I gotta get out of the house. I gotta do stuff, man. I gotta, I gotta have fun again, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to getting out and playing, doing some shows, man. Brother, I see your your, your beer is empty. Do you, do you want a re beer or <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time? Yeah, <laughs> my five one. Yeah. Sure. Oh, thank you, you sir. My my beverage is empty as well. Thank yeah. you, sir. thank you, sir. Of course. Are Modelo's twist off? Uh, they are not. I don't think so. I'm about to say. I'm like, I'm like, have I been not realizing that Modelo's were twist off this whole time? Yeah. See, every podcast is better with beer. Right? It's, just, <laughs> it's just a it's just a fact. What, what, Cheers, what is sir. It? Thank you. Salute. Salute. Mm. Well, you you are I, you know, I, I, I couldn't kind of empathize with you more because I, I feel the same where it's just, just the boredom factor and, and wanting to, you know, it's just, it's just fun. So, but actually, so this is a, a perfect kind of break to talk about the Static X reunion and how this kind of came about. I mean, what was the kernel or the genesis of the idea that this thing even could exist? Um. I guess it kind of started with these demos. Um, like I, I had received the, the these demos that the, they were the last things that Wayne did, and um, like like I got them a few months after Wayne had passed, and you know I gave him a quick listen, and you know like at the time I don't I don't know if it was because I, I just wasn't in the right headspace. It was too soon, but I was just like, ah, all right, you know, I don't think there's anything here, you know, and uh, so I just like stashed them away. And then I think it was 2016, 2017, maybe, I don't know. Um, I was home for like eight, 10 months. Uh, so I, I was working with Fear Factory at the time, but we only worked like three months that whole year yeah and so i had a lot of downtime and so i revisited those demos and i was like yeah maybe, maybe you know maybe there, there's something here after all 
And that's why I reached out to, to Kenny and Koichi. And I was like, hey, uh, you guys want to help me finish these songs? And that's kind of what started the whole thing. You know? So how does that work? I mean, do you need like permission from the estate if it's his intellectual property or how does how does how does that work do you need um i i i didn't know whether or not we needed permission legally or not but i reached out to them yeah. regardless um and through every step that we took doing this i made sure hey stop scratching the couch you little fucker <laughs> Damn it! Can't have anything nice with these assholes. I know, I know. Those are nice couches, too. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, through every step of uh, of this this process, uh, I've been in touch with Wayne's family and and have received their approval and their blessing. And you know, I wouldn't have done any of this without their consent. It just wouldn't have been right, you know. Yeah. Listen, that's it's a. it's a heavy burden, you know, and uh, having to kind of wade through those waters where, <clears throat> you know, you have family. That's that's obviously probably the most, most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. But then you have also the fans that uh, put him in a certain place uh, in their hearts. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's very easy to make a wrong step, right? When oh, you're absolutely. Something so sensitive. Absolutely. Yeah. Um... I mean, you know, Wayne was that icon. You know, he was. He, uh, I, I always, uh, even though I know he 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 would have hated the comparison. Uh, I, I always use the Iron Maiden analogy. He was he was our Bruce Dickinson and our Eddie. Yeah, and he hated Iron Maiden. So <laughs> <laughs> I know he would have hated the comparison. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so like he, he was the icon, you know, he was the symbol of the band. And how how did you go about finding someone to sing the sing the material? Because that must have been like intimidating. Yeah, um, like you know when uh, when we found Zero, you know, he, he it was uh, initially he was just there to like help me uh, produce the stuff, and and he, he did he did a dem, a demo a vocal demo of him singing some of the older stuff and i was like was he like auditioning without auditioning yeah 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 something <laughs> like that yeah and so and so i i sent the song i i sent a cover uh, of push it to to Kenny and Kuichi and they're like yeah this is push it i've heard it a million times and they're like that's not Wayne <laughs> like really okay <laughs> So, so I was like, okay, this this could work, you know. So, yeah. so I kind of opened up some possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I remember when kind of the announcement was made, and this is what I said before that I'm going to bring this up again is earlier about the difference between people kind of hating or talking shit online and the actual what exists in the in, in the real world, and it was. Where the announcement was made and the mask and the you know all the the kind of the the tribute it if you read the comments online it seemed like that was it people were hating it and mm-hmm. then it was you know felt like you were pissing on his grave or um you know it was it seemed controversial within the internet space yeah 
But then tickets went on sale and it seemed like every fucking show in the world sold out. And then I started looking at, started watching some footage online and people are losing their minds. So is is that just this like kind of vocal minority online? It seems like that is is just people just love to hate online or well, I'm sure I'm sure that's part of it. Uh and uh I think it's entirely possible that a lot of those people that were hating bought tickets anyway just to go see see if they fuck and, it up. Yeah, and see, oh, this is gonna be a train wreck, you know? And then they go and they actually saw it and they're like, Okay, this is actually is kinda cool. And you know, we were actually able to, to bring them around. I mean, at least I I hope that's what it was. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably talking out of my ass, but uh, I mean, the, the 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 results are what they are, and I I think uh, the overwhelming majority of of our fans enjoyed what we did and appreciated what we did and and felt like we did it the right way. Was there ever a thought to just having the new singer just be himself with nothing, or was it always an idea to to make it like a tribute? Yeah, no that that was the, that was the thing that I, I I really wanted to keep the focus on Wayne and the the original lineup, and you know I didn't I didn't want it to to be like uh, Van Hagar, you know, like, like here's Static X and the new singer, you know, yeah. like that, that wasn't what we were doing. That, that wasn't the message I wanted to get across, you know? And so the mask idea came about and, um, you know, we felt that was the best way to do it. Cause it, you know, the, like one of the first things that, that came up was the, doing the hologram thing. And I was just like, no, dude, that's not gonna, fucking work you know could y'all even afford a hologram yeah right yeah exactly it was like like budget wise alone but even if we could you know it's like yeah there's there's no like that's a tough, energy that's no a interaction yeah you know and and i what what me what i feel made the band special was that interaction between the four of us on stage and you know you're not gonna get that with a fucking hologram you know so even if we could have afforded one it's like nah yeah, that's this is listen, I, I think any of these decisions, you know, when you're dealing with someone who's passed away and a legacy and trying to figure out what what feels reverential, what feels exploitive, what yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's I don't I don't know if there's any easy answers. There's it, there's it, almost nothing you can do that someone's not going to be bothered. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that, that, that was, it was definitely a tightrope to walk and it, it it was definitely something that was always on my mind like the, the doing it right and you know i i knew we weren't going to please everybody but the main thing for me was to make sure that that wayne's family felt it was respectful and it was done right and if i got that then i could handle whatever criticism from yeah some fuck face on on online you know so the album that came out is that is everything from wayne's demos or is there stuff no that there's still are... there's still more that's why it's called volume one okay because uh, like the as we worked on on this stuff and 
kept looking for additional material, um, we kept finding more and more stuff. And we got to the point where like, this isn't all gonna fit on one record. So we we're, we got volume two in the works. Um, and uh, ho hopefully we, we can get that out uh, sometime next year. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of material that uh, that Wayne had left behind. So would the band write stuff that's not based on his material? Uh, yeah, there, there's a couple things um, that uh, you know we we we, uh, we wrote to to fill in some gaps. Um, yeah, there'll, there'll be stuff uh, that uh, you know brand new compositions to fill in gaps, but. Uh, Right now, we're focusing on on finishing out the those those songs that uh that are based on Wayne's demos. What was it like just getting out there and seeing that seeing the response? Because, like I said, I went I watched a bunch of stuff on YouTube because I I don't know I I get really excited for comebacks, new venture. You know, like I remember when like mm -hmm. My Chemical Romance did their their reunion. I just I just went and watched the the cell phone videos and it's like like <laughs> literally the crowd is so loud you can't even hear the band it's insane right i, I get like because you know it's, you just can't necessarily be there for for some of that stuff I've, i'm probably pretty sure i was on tour the whole fucking time so i probably mm -hmm. yeah, couldn't yeah, even yeah. Have, mm -hmm. have caught a show but uh what was that like what was the energy like i mean how did it feel uh, it was great i mean that first show we did in uh in phoenix was it marquee yeah at the marquee um I remember being on, on on the side of the stage, intro rolling, and I hadn't felt that kind of excitement in such a long time, man. And then to finally get up, hit the stage with, with everybody, and and kick in the bled for days, and seeing that energy it was just like it was so fucking awesome, man. Um, and then when when it was all said and done, you know, the three of us, me, Kenny, and, and Koichi, we go into the dressing room and. You know, it was a big emotional moment, and you know, I was just like, "Fuck, that was so fucking awesome!" And then immediately, it's like, "Fuck, Wayne should be here for this, man!" And uh, you know, it, it, it was a really it's it's bittersweet, intense, bittersweet, and then the whole experience was like that. You know, just a, a bittersweet moment. You know, what about the fans? I mean, were people coming up like crying? To you guys? Oh yeah, there, there are people out in the audience crying and you know, singing along and. Yeah, it's bittersweet for them too. Yeah. Well, listen, I, listen, I, I think, listen, we're like we were talking. I mean, you, you've experienced loss with family during this this past year and a half. I've experienced loss, and that's just what life is, right? Yeah. We keep going. We're gonna lose people. We're eventually. I mean, you and mm -hmm. you and I aren't gonna be here anymore. So it's kind of like just what you do with that, and how we figure out how to <clears throat> take. Uh, negative experiences and, and i listen and, and of course death is negative but it's also like it, it just is right yeah. it's it's some degree it's neither negative or positive it's just we're we're all gonna go and it's, it's an eventuality that we all have to face yeah mm -hmm. um and figuring out some way to kind of uh spin that into something where we can all get something out of you know take like his demo sitting on a hard drive somewhere not doing anything doesn't help anyone, right? Yeah. It doesn't enrich anyone. It doesn't fulfill anyone. Uh, so you're taking something and now it's like, boom, now the, the you can share that with the world. 
people can connect to it. Um, you can you have a a rock show where we can all expend that energy and connect. I mean, we've seen what it's like, what it's been like for the last year and a half, where we haven't had that release, right? It sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. And we're all counting the days to when we can we can do that again. Um, are there other plans right now to do another tour? Um, we're looking at at next year. Yeah, to 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 do some more stuff. Um, figure we let all the big dogs fight it out this year. You know? Are you still gonna be? So are you gonna try and bounce out with Fear Factor? Or are you do you have a priority yeah, yeah, band? Or yeah, it, it 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 we're working out schedules and stuff to to make it happen. Okay. Have you? So I had Dino on the podcast. And he talked about a little bit about the new singer auditions. You know, is is the band any closer to that, or is it, you still still going? Yeah, through no, stuff? he doesn't tell me anything about. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you're not even part of it. This yeah, Dino. no. I, when it when it comes to Fear Factory, I just show up and play bass. Gotcha. I, Fear Factory's his band. You know, gotcha. It's not like Asasino where that's our thing. Yeah. You know, Fear Factory. Yeah, that's Dino. He makes the decisions. I just show up and. All right, tell me where to stand and play bass and tell me when to headbang. You know, he likes <laughs> he likes doing that synchronized headbanging thing sometimes, you know, like, okay. Yeah. Boss man. Yeah. Like, show. And, 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 you know, I, every once in a while I, I can see him, you know, look over, looking at my right hand, make sure I'm down picking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Good to be good, good. Good to be employed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and and you know when 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 they're your friends, you know, it's an added bonus, you know. Yeah, and that well, actually, that brings up kind of another point about how you keep working and and uh, be able to work with a lot of different environments is knowing your role. Yeah, I think that's a that that's a big thing. Is some some bands you're the guy and it's your band and you have to be the organizer and and kind of uh, doling out some instructions and sometimes you have to be the role player and let someone else run mm -hmm. the show and you just show up and play and hey am I doing this wrong how can I you know and yeah and so that's a, I think it's a really important oh yeah yeah absolutely well. um, I, I think I think uh, a lot of guys like get hired on as as a as a hired on musician and then like think that it's their place to like give opinions about you know finances and 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 stuff that really you know isn't their place to do you know it's like and until you you actually are invited to become a partner of of the business then just show up and play bro <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it's definitely a, a delicate balance yeah yeah absolutely but but Tony, listen, uh, I really appreciate you 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 being on this show. Like I yeah, said, yeah, I think I think people people been waiting. I know you've done other shows. You've been on Jamie's show and yeah, you, you yeah, you've mm -hmm. done, done, done some other well, a few things. Here, but my yeah. show has a very particular uh, arc to it, and uh, just me hearing your story, I think is is it's it's a wonderful experience for me. But I know the people listening to this are really going to enjoy it because you're you're very well loved and respected in the in in this scene across the board. So. Well, thanks for having me, man. Like, anytime you want to stop by, man. Like, oh, I know where you live you know, now, I, so I'm... Yeah, I got, like, I, I rarely have guests, so this is, this, is a, <laughs> this is a nice change of pace. Hey, no no, no problem. Like I said, I'm, I'm not too... I'm like a half hour from here, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's easy. It's easy for me. Right on, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, bro. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the technology. We have the technology.
That track was entitled Terminator Oscillator, and it's from the latest Static X album, which is called Degeneration. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, you think I have it worked out. Project Regeneration Volume 1. We're not editing, all right? We're leaving the fuck up, Sam, because that's how we do it around here, all right? It's, it's very natural. It's very, like, uh, improvisational, and that's all right. I'm, I'm okay with that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Tony. Like I said, he's the sweetest guy around. And yeah, he, he just has a wonderful story. And for someone like me, it's always inspirational to meet people like him and get his story and go, okay, if you want a career and we kind of know it, it's so difficult, even if you're in a successful band to like make it last you know, past five, 10, 15 years. It's just, it's a, it's just a tough business. So to, to keep finding himself in, in great bands and constantly working and doing things, even though right now with the recovering from the pandemic, we're, you know, we're all me and him both are in a situation where we're, we're not really on the road yet. Uh, it's just, it's very in inspirational. So thanks again to him for taking, taking his time to be on the show. It was great, 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 great. And, you know, I've been, I had a lot going on, like I said, with traveling and kind of projects I can't really talk about at the moment. But I was realizing, I was like, you know what? I've just spoken to like 50 dudes in a row. The show's become a real sausage fest. So even though I have probably four or five shows in the can, and then a couple more than I'm scheduling, I think after that, I think I'm going to... I think I might book like five or six women in a row because I'm just like, it's too much, too much male energy. We need to mix it up. And this is what happens. I think sometimes, and I, I've talked about this probably, I mean, going way back and being the show of, you know, this scene is, is kind of male dominated. It's kind of leans, uh, you know, in a Anglo direction. And it, so it's, I, I don't think it's through, through any fault of anyone. It's definitely not, uh, you know, there's no malicious nature behind it, but sometimes you, if you don't think about it, then it can become kind of samey. And it's, it's, for me, it's important to keep the, keep the diversity there. And I know for some people it's, Hey man, keep your woke identity politics. And all, you know, it's not really about that. It's just about, you know, it gets, just gets very similar. So, well, I want to mix it up. Can your boy mix it up? Is that all right? But no, there's, there's so many wonderful talented badass ladies out there some of which i'm friends with some of them i don't but uh yeah if there's any actually any female guests you guys want me to talk to like hey i want this person on the show hit them up all right i'll, I'll look into it but i have some in mind that i want to reach out to again i don't, I don't like to get too presumptuous because you never know i might not might not get them but uh i'm gonna go work on that but what else is going on Hey, congrats to the U.S. basketball Olympics team. Got gold. That's right. It was looking a little scary for a second, but we pulled it out. And then it was right that. Now summer league is going. So the hoops don't stop around here. Shout out to New York Knicks, too, getting Kemba Walker. All right? I know everyone says his knees are broke, but just can, can, I, can I have a little bit of happiness? Just a little bit? But, yeah, I'm back home, so I'm going to get back to scheduling some episodes. And... Trying to think, is there anything else going on that I can talk about? 
I'm going to start doing Twitch beginning of September, a couple days a week. So I got to figure out exactly what I'm doing there. I'm probably going to be doing some interviews on there. So it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, the rest of this year is going to be pretty damn fun. All right. I got to run. Love y'all. Mamba's out. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.